Glory be to Jesus. I want to dwell my on the first reading for my reflection this morning. And I'm particularly, you know, attracted by the arrangement of things in the first reading that has to do with God's agenda for us, his children. To the prophet Ezekiel. He said, and there shall no longer be two nations. God wants a nation of his people that is one. You know, God has always desired that we become one with him. A divided nation cannot stand. And that nation is a consecrated nation. The Bible says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation. So God has in his mind an idea of raising a nation. And that nation should not be a divided nation, but a nation that is one. A nation that has one ideology. It's called a nation of righteousness. And the scepter of authority in that nation is a scepter of righteousness. And as many who walk within the dictates and the demands of that nation are made citizens of that nation. So God desires that we will be part of that nation. By virtue of our baptism and confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are brought to terms with that nation. He said, and they shall not defile themselves anymore with the idols and the, and the things and their Distable things or with any of their transgressions. They shall not defy themselves. So it's a nation with a character. It's a nation that has a character to bear. A nation that is holy, set apart for God. A nation that doesn't allow herself to be defied again. It's very good that we understand that. That our identity in that nation is never to define ourselves with the detestable things of this world. Okay, he continues and says, They shall have one shepherd. They shall have one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's a prophecy to be fulfilled. And Jesus comes and says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Can you see a progression? You see. And they shall follow my ordinances and carefully observe my status. If my word abides in you and you have faith in the one who has sent me, you have eternal life. You see. You can see the picture of all these prophecies made manifest in the person of Jesus. Okay? They shall dwell in the land where your fathers dwell that I shall give to my servant Jacob. Come to me, all of you, labor and I will give you rest. Our promised land today is not a physical one. It's a spiritual reality. That when you come into Christ, you are catapulted into a realm in the spirit that 
has a way of influencing your world entirely. You see, he continues and says, And I will set my sanctuary. First of all, he said, I will bless them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. I will set my sanctuary, the place of interaction, the place of worship, in their midst, in their lives. Paul comes and says that that sanctuary is our body. That sanctuary is our body. God now dwelling in us. Can you see, from a nation that has an ideology to a nation that has character to a nation that has governmental rule that observes the ordinances of God to a nation that has a place of worship, interaction, a holy sanctuary, which is inside them. Can you see the progression from outside gradually to the inside? And Jesus said that kingdom is inside you. That is who you are. I'm just showing you your, your spiritual structure. That's your identity. That is your faith. That's your, your superstructure. That's what you are, your life is hinging on this. You should know who you are. You should know who you are spiritually. Just the way you know who you are physically. If they ask you what's your name, you will know your name physically. You tell them. What do you do for life? I'm an engineer. You have an identity. I'm a, I'm a manager of this. I'm an architect. I'm a, I'm a pilot. I'm a medical doctor. You have an identity. And based on your identity, you have an ideology that governs your life. In the physical realm, there are things you believe in. You believe in some ideas that you engage every day. On account of those ideas, your life is productive. You see. And that ideology has rules and regulations. And you abide by those rules, by those ordinances of those, you know, ideologies. You're able to keep them. And that has kept you effective in the places where you have have found yourself. And they say, this man is a good medical doctor. This one is a good architect. Because you abide by the rules and regulation of that ideology. And the whole thing has blessed your life. So this is who we are in the spirit. I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That is the bigger picture of the whole thing. He wants at the end of it all for him to be our God, and no other God. And we shall be his people. We must be captured in this God's agenda. Our families must be captured into this God's agenda. Our children will be factored into this God's agenda. If they are not in this agenda, forget it. They are veered off. They are veered off. They shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel. When my sanctuary, when my sanctuary is in the midst of them forevermore. So at the end of it, all, people will know that these people are God's own people. They will feel the vibration of God's presence. 
Ezekiel is giving us a summary of the reason why Christ came. All these things were going about this holy week and the, the Latin period and the passion of Jesus. All of them is to factor us into this agenda of God. At the end of it all, God must find a space in your life where he dwells, where his sanctuary is you know, installed in you. You become a moving sanctuary. A moving tabernacle. God dwelling in me. He will now be your God and you'll be his people. Governed by his own ideology. In the midst of the veracity of ideology that we have in the world. That becomes your faith. That becomes your foundation. That becomes your superstructure. On the strength of this, your life hinges on it. As you go about your daily life on earth, this becomes what drives you. You're not empty. You're not confused. You're not, uh, you're not uh, uh, unmindful of God, what God has done in your life. This is very, very important. And we crystallize this. And as we're about to step into the Holy Week, it's good that we have something we're going to be stepping into the Holy Week with. And because of this one week, you will help yourself rediscover yourself again in God and then thank the Lord for all that he has done for you, identifying the mysteries of your salvation. That the coming of Christ, the passion of Christ, his resurrection, this is the impact it has in my life. What you don't acknowledge, you will never celebrate in your life. You must acknowledge the investment of God in your life. More than ever, I have begun to discover in scriptures that all the great men of God and women of God in the scriptures, that their journey with God, you know, majorly starts with the acknowledgement of what God has done for them. I tell you, they identified, even though they have not experienced it, but they first see it by faith and they start thanking God for it. Because God is spirit. Mary said, the Almighty has done great things in me. Paul himself even identified that also. An acknowledgement of the mysteries of Christ in me. Keep going down. John himself keeps saying it. All of them. And it is by acknowledging this great investment of God that you begin to value yourself. If God has time for me and will do all this, why don't I look at what God is doing and appreciate myself? People appear to be worthless because they don't see what God has done for them. <clears throat> Rather, they see themselves as naked like Adam. And God is asking the question, who told you you are naked? Who told you you are empty? Who told you you are this? Who told you you are this? Am I the one who said it? Who gave you the identity you are parting about with? I gave my own identity. Jesus came and said, you are the light of the world. On what account is he saying that? I'm not seeing that light. But he's the one who created me. He is telling me what and what, what and what is inside of me. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Have you ever seen yourself as a salt? No. But he's telling you. He created you. He knows you more than you know yourself. You're only seeing your skin. But he knows what is inside of you, both physically and spiritually, and he's telling you, you are the salt of the earth. The world will not tell you that. <clears throat> your friends will not tell you that. Your family will not tell you that. Because they can't see the deeper investment of God upon your life. 
Now, even as Christ has told us we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth, have we begin to factor ourselves in that dimension? Have we begin to ask ahead, okay, if Jesus, who is the Son of God, who created me, says, I'm the salt of the earth, how can I now utilize this salt? Why did he give me this salt nature? Why did he give me this light nature? And the more you come into him, the more he shows you other things that you may you, you have that you may not even know. The world will tell you you have nothing. Just the way the devil told Adam, eh, you are naked. And he said, I'm naked. And God is asking, who told you you are naked? You see, it's very important. Because if you don't discover who you are in God, you will rubbish yourself. You will live ordinarily. Like someone who doesn't even know God. You will see yourself floating and never amounting to anything with regards to your faith. There is something in you. There is something in you. There is something in you. It's time for us to begin to acknowledge those things. We must identify them. There's a life inside of us that is different from the normal human life. We must acknowledge it. There is a spirit that God has put inside of us. We must begin to acknowledge that spirit. And then align with that spirit. Align with that life. Align with God's investment. There is a salt nature in you. Begin to align yourself. See yourself from it. Say, oh God, you say I'm salt. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Every day I thank him. You are thanking him. Then you begin to think about how does salt operate. Anything that you cook and you put salt, oh, what happens? The beauty comes out. If you like cooking the best food in this world, and if you don't put in salt, you know when you eat it, you know how it will be like. It's like it makes everything come alive, right? And God is saying that that thing is inside of you. So it means that this is my life. I can salt my life. My life may be worthless. I'm not, I'm not looking so wonderful. But with the salt nature in me, something will happen. These are not just religious uh, language. They are realities. They are realities. And if we journey with God in our heart and sincerely seek Him, He will show you how to apply that salt in your life. He will show you how to apply that light in your life. He will show you. And He will show you more things. He said, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. What is Jesus seeing in us that we're not seeing? What is that river? <clears throat> what is that river? How is it going to bless my life? How should I utilize that river? Why did he put the river there in the first place? He created me. He is telling me. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, not dead water. few days ago, about two weeks ago, we read about the living water coming out from the sanctuary. And anyway, it flowed. And what happened? Everything that was dead comes alive. And Jesus is now saying that that river is inside of us. How? 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 So is it possible that the river is just there dormant and we're not utilizing it? So we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's the more reason we must shut ourselves down and meditate and seek the face of God. This Holy Week, do something. Say, Lord, it's time for you to speak to me. Thank you for what you have done for me. Speak to me this week. And then you try to cut down in your house, create a place where you can be to be with God alone. You know? And be patient. Wait for him. 
Because until you shut yourself down and you are ready for him, he will not show up. He doesn't like noise. God doesn't like noise. If, you, if the weather be it inside noise or the outside uh, noise. And sometimes when you are waiting, it takes no less than one hour for the noise, both the outside noise and the inside noise to what? Quench. Yes. Even when you are sitting down, all the music in this world is playing in your heart. All the discussion you had yesterday, uh, two days ago, two weeks ago, all of them, they are all still floating in your heart. Until all of them goes down. Then you now show up and say, hey, what do you really mean? And then he'll just give you a word. And that one word will change everything. So we pray that as we are progressing in our wait upon the Lord in the course of these 40 days, as we are now entering the last lag of the, uh, the, the Lenten period, we shall truly be enriched beyond measure with his grace and strength through Christ our Lord.